I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 51 of Better Podcasting Live Chat. I am Steven, and I'm pleased to say that SP is here today. <laughs> Steven is always so energetic. It makes it really fun to come into Area 51. I mean, Better Podcasting Live Chat number 51 every week. Oh, almost slipped up there, hey? <laughs> can't, you know, can't say anything about that. Oh, we're here with another episode of Better Podcasting Live Chat, which, by the way, if you didn't know this, this is our podcast where we go and we we muse about podcasting for a little while. This is the companion to the Better Podcasting main show, as well as, uh, I guess, the companion to the Better Podcasting chat. With SP, which you can find both of those over at betterpodcasting.com. We are in between seasons right now on the main show. So if you want to go check all of that back catalog, you can at betterpodcasting.com. Yeah, I've got a episode that I'm hoping to publish tomorrow on Better Podcasting Chats with SP with Matt Jermoshevich, I believe is how you say his last name. He's a Russian lit or a Tolstoy podcaster, and it was a lot of fun over there. But we talk podcasting over there. We talk podcasting over here. I just like talking about podcasting, and there's a ton of stuff to talk about podcasting. Steven, you tripped over one of the main news stories for this week, and that would be the Apple podcast subcategories. Yeah, that's exciting. It's nice to see them making some changes with the subcategories. They actually uh, have gone and um, added to the, I think it's the Apple Podcast app, basically. Well, I must be in the whole Apple Podcast directory as well. But they have added the following categories. Mental health, relationships, self-improvement, personal journals, entrepreneurship, documentary, parenting, books, language learning, and SP love. All of those are now categories on there. I was wondering where the better podcasting subcategory is. It's the SP love category. That's the one. Well, no, that that that's me. That's just about me. There, there should be a separate <laughs> category for us in there. Well, we could maybe make one ourselves somehow. I don't know how that would work, but we could we could just start maybe typing it into some freeform box. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of boxes in ID3 tags that we could throw that in, and and maybe someday Apple Podcasts will get smart and they will pick up a how-to podcast tag because <laughs> I think it's needed. Yeah, that it's interesting that's not there. But also, um, I'm curious what what made them decide these are the ones they wanted to add and sort of what it's going to look like going forward as far, far as adding other categories go. Because they've been very stale with the categories for a long time. So this is why I'm actually interested in this, that, that they're adding new tags. Maybe there are going to be more to come. And I think that would be good because there's a lot of different categories in podcasting. The only thing, of course, ends up being a little bit challenging is when you don't fall into one specific category clearly and you're like well it could be this one it could be that one how do you choose and now that almost divides up some of those content for like you know the how to how to podcast ones where would we go is it self-improvement is it books is it entrepreneurship 
I believe there's two tags in there, one for education and one for tech. And they're different ones, but I think most of the how-to podcasts are in one of those two. If you're looking for where you think your podcast should be, take a look at 10 or 15 or 20 shows that are kind of like yours that are out there. And believe me, you're probably not that unique. There's probably 10 to 20 shows like yours out there. See what categories they're in and then see which ones would fit best for you out of those. Now, on some media hosts, you can choose up to three. Apple Podcasts really just takes the first one. Mm -hmm. So the first one matters. Is that like on this show, the first one to speak matters? Are you saying that you start every show, so all that matters is you? I was just about to try to, to, to pull you into that so then I could say, ha-ha, but our pre-roll actually beats us both. Ha-ha. Our pre-rolls mm. the mo all that matters. So now I'm only going to hear Stephen pre-rolls <laughs> on our show. Fair enough. Uh, hey, by the way, can I just confess here to some slacking on my podcasting over the last little bit? Please do, because I like hearing somebody else being lazy. Yeah, yeah. So the Gonna Geek show, we're a monthly show. We uh, recorded last Monday, which was Monday the 12th. And I still haven't put the episode out. And I feel terrible because the, the month prior, I had it out like the next day. I think I had it out by Tuesday end of day. So I've been procasting. Uh, pro I've been um, procrastinating. There's the word. I've been procrastinating on, um, or, or is it road pro? casternating on the um oh don't don't tempt them they're gonna <laughs> now make some piece of gear that's road procrastinating now uh no but i've been uh pro i can't even say it now now i'm all confused in my mind but been dragging my heels here uh on that and i need to get that out i've been a little bit tied up uh, the last couple days but i keep thinking like steven you gotta get that out it's so easy it's it's a relatively easy show to edit and then uh, the other thing that I've been dragging my heels on is getting the Mixcast 4 set up again. I know I, I've said that for like a month now, maybe longer. I got to get that done. I got to get the Roadcaster Pro 1 out, get the Mixcast 4 back in and start tinkering with it now that I've been uh, direct into the Roadcaster Pro for a while. Direct-ish. I'm looking forward to you switching mixers and then doing more of a comparison uh, between the two and see which ones you like. I don't think I could deal with either because of the polywave. The polywave is out of the <laughs> two is probably the biggest thing that just fried me nuts. Yeah. I hate that polywave thing. But aside from that, they're two serviceable mixers even today. And if you can't get the Rodecaster Pro 2 or the Mackie DLZ 3 because of cost or because it's gigantic on your desk, the Mackie, not the Rodecaster Pro 2, go for it. They're still venerable. And you could probably pick up some used ones, some used Rodecaster Pros out there because you can't get new ones anymore. You could probably pick up some used ones for a fair price. I, I would imagine. I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at the used market for a while, but it, I, I except for my Zoom H6, which, by the way, I sold that. Hey, did I tell you that yet? No, you didn't. That's great. That was fun then that you got to. I sold an H6, then you sold an H6. So now we're H6 list, except for I have a, another one. Oh, well, you have another. I didn't know you had two H6s. Oh, yeah, I did know I that, actually. I did know you had to. Yeah. And then I got the H8. So actually, what I'll probably do is I'll probably get rid of the second H6. That's that's one of the next pieces of gear to go because I don't need it. I I, I keep the capsules because I think the capsules are 
compatible with the H8, but I don't need another H6. Just use the H8. You love the H8. That's your favorite device ever. The H8. Yeah. (laughs) I, I said good for what it is. It was advertised to be something it wasn't. And it took me going and contacting Zoom directly for them telling me, no, you can't use it as an audio interface and record at the same time. What confused me is the fact that it has a podcasting mode. I was thinking, oh, podcasting mode. You're definitely going to allow use of recording as it's an audio interface at the same time. Nope, nope. And they said they had no plans whatsoever to bring that in. So I spent a lot of money. I would have spent the money on a Mixcast 4 or a Rodecaster Pro OG over that H8 if I had known that. Mm. Uh, we got in our chat Johnny Pennington saying I'm going to use my H6 for recording and sound effects. And that's because he's got set up for his uh, studio, the uh, L8, I believe it is. But I decided to get rid of the H6 because the only reason I use it is like field and I have the P4 there. So I'm just going to use that. And he's saying, uh, do you need it uh, for the extra two XLR ends? One of the reasons that I got that the, was, uh, by the way, that was uh, Liberty Dude said, does Liberty SJ Dude, need yeah. the extra two XLR in or is the Roadcaster Pro Duo on the radar? That was what uh, Liberty Dude was asking. So the H6 for me was necessary for when I went on the road and recorded multiple people that got together. We did that in Las Vegas once. I've done it on numerous panels at conventions. I use that H6 for various different things. And it was more than two XLR ends. So I could not use the duo in this case. That is an additional question. I couldn't use the duo for that. And I don't want to bring my Rodecaster Pro 2 out there. So my choices are using the Zoom P4 or using the Zoom H8. And if I have more than four people, which is why I had the H6, then that's where the H8 would come in. As far as the question goes for me, for the Duo, um, at the moment, I don't really need many XLR inputs. I really am only using one unless I am uh, doing a dual mic episode or something like that. So for me, the Duo could work. It'd have to be a really good deal, though, because when you're up in that price range, like I, I ju- it's hard to justify not spending the extra money to go up to the Rodecaster Pro 2. There's not a huge difference. If we start to see some big sale prices that that makes that... Uh, gap a lot larger or widens the gap then yeah i probably would consider going with the duo i don't see why i would need beyond that unless i was going to be doing something with uh with the kids but you know they're already like 30 40 years old time's just gone like that right (laughs) yeah so the thing that's keeping me from the duo is the sound pads because I feel limited with the sound pads mm. the, the way they are with the eight active. And then you can page through, but it's the eight active. And if you're actively streaming, looking down on your device, in this case, the Roadcaster Pro 2 or the Duo, if you have it, and then paging through the sound boards or the sound pads to get to the one that you want. No, thank you. There's, And the thing is, you don't see it on the sound pad itself. You see it on the side of the display, which is kind of small for the Roadcaster Pro 2. That was one thing that I was like, oh, DLZ3, I kind of like that big 10-inch screen. I don't like it on my desk, but I like the bigger screen. So with the Duo only having six sound pads, it's too small for me. I need at least eight for a show, if not more. So yeah, the, the Duo... 
I could almost use it the way I podcast most of the time, but the sound pads just like, eh. and it is very expensive for what it is. Yeah. Sound pods, sound pads wise, I personally don't need any. I, I actually can't stand the sound pads compared to using my stream deck the way that I stream. Because I'm, yeah. uh, you know, for me, it's easier with the stream deck since I'm pushing a button to switch the scene anyways to have it go through an external sound card from my computer in. So I, you know, I did the sound pads for a little bit. I've fallen back to it a couple of times just where I've been having some issues. But but it, I find it after using the stream deck in my workflow, I personally don't. But I know that I'm also, you know, on the outside of this situation. I don't use a stream deck, but I know everybody that does just loves it. So uh, go with if that's what works in your workflow, go with it. One thing that the sound pads would be beneficial is if you took it to a live setting and you were podcasting at like a convention or or a hotel room or whatever where you didn't have a, a lot of gear, but you could use those sound pads. But that's like a one off mm -hmm. for anybody. It's not any uh, continual thing. And Johnny Pennington in the chat brings up Backpack Studio and he says it looks like a good option for sound pads. I actually have that. I have it hooked into my computer or into my Rodecaster Pro 2. The Rodecaster Pro 2 has a gain issue for line input, at least for the iPad mini that I have. I haven't really tried it with too many other line devices in. So ultimately, I decided to go with the sound pads, even though it's inferior to me, because I do love the way that Backpack Studio works. I love the bigger screen that I can put on an iPad, and I love the multiple different screens that you could go to that have like 28 different selectable sound pads and you can read them a lot better so yeah i do like it but i just it doesn't work in my audio workflow it works in my producer workflow it doesn't work in my audio workflow yeah and you know you bring up a good point there um in the way that you've got uh, a device and you can go somewhere and it's an all-in-one device. And and that change that doesn't change when you're at home either. You know, if you are able to have one device doing both the sound pads and the recording, you know, that that's pretty beneficial as opposed to having to have a separate phone or a separate tablet with a separate app that you're managing. So yeah, no, I think there's a lot to think about in there. And every person's different. Everyone is different. And uh some people would rather have, you know, it split out. So Personally, though, I think that in any case, the Rodecaster Pro or the Rodecaster Pro 2 or any of these, you know, Mixcast 4s, it's just still amazing to think back to where we were like 10 years ago, five years ago, even. I know the equipment, I've mentioned it before, the equipment evolution has been dramatic and it has been outstanding. I can't even imagine going back to when I started podcasting in 2010, I think you were 2008. Can't imagine going back then and trying to do the same stuff that we're doing. The digital software, the services mm -hmm. aren't available, and the hardware definitely wasn't available. Let me ask you this, though. All right, we're, ask. We're, bo we're both selling gear. How was your experience selling your H6? It, was it like pulling teeth, pulling hair, or is it just, eh, it's just life on the internet these days? Well, I ended up selling mine online and, um, you know, scam, scams galore. That That's the biggest thing there. Like everything was fine otherwise, but um, I had I had a couple different similar scam emails come through and, you know, your flags go up right away and you're just like you throw them some a little information, but with a little bit of bait questions to verify it. And you're very quickly like, oh, yeah, that's a scam. 
and then you just ignore it. But, you know, it, I was lucky, though. Someone did, did want to buy it. And actually, I ended up listing my H6 um, independently of the capsule. And then when they were interested, I asked them if they I said I had the capsule, I'll sell, sell it to you as well. And uh, yeah, they, they uh, went with that as well. And then um, so I got lucky on that case. I'm, I'm very afraid of eBay. I have to be honest. It so eBay changed just in this year where it's mandatory that in the United States, at least that you have to enter it into the international market. And they say, oh, it's good for you because you're opening it up to more people that might want to buy your junk. Really, it's what it is, your junk. <laughs> and, and you're opening it up to more people that wants to buy it. And we've set up the central hub that you can send stuff to in order that you don't have to mess with shipping it overseas, whatever. I'm still worried that they'll claim it didn't get there or they'll claim that it didn't arrive like it was theft out of the box or something yeah. like that, or it got damaged in shipping. I have refused to do international sales because of that, because of on eBay, because of those issues that I've heard of. I've never experienced them, but I've heard enough horror stories. I'm like, no, I, I just don't want to deal with it. I will send it internally into the United States. And now they're forcing that here. There's no way to turn it off. They have FAQs and they say, just go here and there should be an option to select where it's going. There is no option anymore. You can get to that page and you cannot deselect different areas or select the specific areas that you want it, like the markets or I forget what they call it. And that has me worried for the stuff that is listed now because I'm pretty sure they'll be scammed. And when you enter into that and you get scammed, you don't get the money. Right. You lose the thing. You can't sell it anymore because they probably have it and you can't sell it. And then you don't get the money because eBay either keeps it or refunds it to the seller or the buyer. And I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. But as far as far as the other scams go on other social media, yeah, it it is amazing. I don't even know. Some of them aren't even scams. They're just trying to keep you from selling it uh, to somebody that might actually want it. And it's like, why why are you even I don't get it. Why are you even doing this? It doesn't make any sense unless your purpose is to sow mayhem into the lives of the people are trying to sell. So in our live chat, we have a couple things coming up about scams. We got Johnny Pennington saying, what are some of the scam red flags? And we got Liberty Dude saying, have you tried Facebook Marketplace uh, and similar and done live meetup sales? Uh, okay, I, I extrapolated that one to scams because I wanted to say uh, Marketplace. Yeah, I have had stuff listed on there. Definitely occasional scam messages come through on that. Uh, Johnny, as far as scams go, my biggest experience is very quick offers to purchase that that happened multiple times they're just like hey i'll buy it this, this right away or they'll start to um fish for putting you know putting a certain amount of money down right away or something like that and this is what happened to me is i actually had a couple back to back where someone was saying okay go ahead or i'll get this for you for, for me this thursday i want to put down a deposit tell me how much and i'll send it right away basically and oh, and they actually also said, can you remove the listing, which was which was weird to me. But oh, yeah, but my understanding, because I never actually went through with it, but I actually saw some other people talk about this and what they end up doing is sending you a phishing link. So it's like they're, they're going to say, well, OK, I'll give you your uh, whatever you ask. So you, you're like, OK, I want one hundred and fifty dollar deposit. And they'll be like, 
okay, here you go. I'm sending it to you. And then you get a fake, uh, fake, um, up here we have e-transfer or, you know, there's different services down there. So they would end up sending you a fake, uh, money transfer thing. And, and, and Dia being, you click on it. Now you're fish, being fished to enter your information in for your banking. And now it's a whole other cybersecurity issue. That's, that's one of the scams that have come up. Um, and honestly, I just, you know, if someone's offering me, me money very quick after posting, I, my flag is up immediately. The other place that I know that you can sell your gear is like on Sweetwater. And I think even maybe Canadians can do it. You can go to Sweetwater and you can sell the gear and then you can opt to get paid in Sweetwater bucks or whatever they call it. And that's full price, or you can take cash and they take a percentage off of it. So if you're going to reinvest it in gear anyway, it might be worth it. If you're in the United States, uh, for sure, I don't know about anywhere else, but uh, it, it's just another option that just, it's a lot safer because nobody's going to scam Sweetwater. And if they do, Sweetwater has a bigger problem than yeah. just your item. All right. Well, you actually brought up something here or had something you wanted to bring up, which was all about uh, the Patreon video hosting. What's that about? Yeah, apparently they announced it about a week ago. I think it was Thursday, the day after we recorded, and they are now capable of hosting video. I'm, I'm not super excited about this on the surface. So they're saying through 2023, it's free. And if you are a, a, a basic uh, person, you can get 100 hours of video. And if you're on one of the premium or pro plans, you can get up to 500 hours of video hosting. They're definitely looking into that video hosting cost, which to me in this day and age, I'm scratching my head over that because hosting costs are not that big. I would worry about throughput and they have a lot of throughput already in uh, uh, Patreon. But what really caught me my attention here is the reason that they're doing it is they're probably trying to be a more direct competitor to YouTube and their memberships. So a lot of people stick to YouTube on their memberships versus going into Patreon because that, that you can hide videos and you can select videos to your different tiers of members, I believe. And Patreon hasn't had that opportunity until now. I think it's a little short-sighted limiting the total hours of video hosting. They said it should be fine. Well, Stephen, you and I, we've been podcasting enough. I ran into this issue years mm -hmm. ago with Spreaker, right? They said 500 hours for your account in Spreaker. You can have as many RSS feeds as you want, but you're limited to 500 hours. And after a couple of years with four or five shows going, I actually maxed that out. Mm. So I know there's creators out there on Patreon that are churning out content that they're going to max this out real quick. So limiting it to that little has an issue with me. Also, I have no idea how they're going to increase the pricing plans for 2024. They said that they would, but I don't know how much that's going to cost them. So good on them for pro uh, providing a competitor to YouTube memberships. But I, th I think they're just, I don't know, maybe video is that hard and Google's or Alphabet is able to do it on YouTube because they're supplementing that through their data sales that they do on the back end i am a little confused about this i have to say because there has been video on patreon for a long time for example i'm subscribed to the delta flyers they have video components all the time 
Is this their, like what is video this? Is their video or YouTube embedded? No, videos. they're not embed videos. No, they're not. They're in a crappy player because I hate the player. It's an actual embedded yeah, okay. video in the stream, and it's right. locked. So that's what I didn't I'm. Know you were uh, a subscriber to that. That's I, pretty cool. I am. Yeah. Well, as of I don't know a couple months ago, I started, but um, but I know like you can go back to the old posts from forever ago, yes. and that's why I'm confused yeah. about not. And, and I know when they first launched it, that was the big thing that they had, you know, become a Patreon subscriber at this level to be, to get the videos. So I don't know, is this like a, like a feed more because it is a very, like, I really don't like the Patreon video that's on there. That's what I'm confused. Wait, about. You, you said, you said you just came in the last couple of months, right? Yes. But it's been there from the, when they launched. And I know that a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Cause I'm also a contributor to their channel. Cause I like their Patreon feed. Uh, for the audio, but I know that they have a associated video. And at the beginning, they were doing unlisted videos on YouTube, and then they were putting it on Patreon. And what the problem was is people would give those unlisted videos out to other people that don't pay. So they were seeing higher numbers than they say they had only 100 people that were subscribed on Patreon. So when they put the video out, they were seeing like 200, a thousand people that were viewing the YouTube video. And they're like, mm. wait, wait a minute. You're not paying for this. Uh, and then I think they went back and forth with YouTube to find out, are these analytics legit? And they said, yes, they are. So yeah. And if you have an unlisted video out there, anybody with the link can get it. Now, YouTube okay, has that- also gone to private videos that you can give personal links out to as well. So there's that. And then there's membership videos now. But at the beginning, that's what the Delta Flyers was doing. And then I I guess you're right. They changed to a Patreon video. So I don't know how they got that done. Okay, because I was going to say maybe they retroactively changed it because I knew they had video components. I knew that was there. And now I I was wondering if maybe they retroactively edited the post. and, And that is what I'm seeing is a modern version. But like, cause I know the post were there from the beginning, but yeah, it's been only a couple months. So I can't say for sure that this is an old video, but I'd have to go back and look, but it sounds like, you know, better than I do. And you said that they changed it along the way. So I'm not sure then I'm, I don't know, whatever. And <laughs> also Patreon, it said in their announcement that this has been out for a select number of their members for a while. So oh, there you go. Delta Flyers being probably on the higher end has probably had access to this. So they, they might have started doing that a while back. All right. By the way, I wanted to do a follow up here because we got talking a little while about back. I think it was even maybe last episode or the episode before about uh, subscription pricing. And we had a lot of good chat in our discord all about subscription pricing and i have to say um you know i think you you've more often than not not been a fan of subscription pricing however um i i did need to throw you a little bit under the bus here sp because there was something that you once confessed that you would instantly instantly pay a high amount of money oh yeah if if this thing was possible and Oh, yeah. And it was all about AI. It was basically you had told me that you would you were already budgeting 
for a replacement me, basically yeah. paying a certain amount of money that you didn't actually I, have to really podcast with me anymore or talk to I've me ever again. I've been for a while, yeah. really. So. But I, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but when we had this conversation, I was actually still recording and I went and I dug up the audio and I actually have it here. Yeah, I have okay. it here, yeah. Uh, I, okay. And I, I think that it was a $500 fee was I think what you said you'd pay monthly in order to not have to have to talk Maybe. to me. Yeah. I think so. That yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah, So so I have it here for you. $500 is a drop in the bucket compared to the therapy I have to have just by podcasting with you. So there you go. I recorded it. I went and I found it on the raw recordings. I had to go hunting. You didn't know I was recording, but yeah, I guess $500 was what you said you would pay in order to not have to podcast or talk to me anymore. I, I actually am confused because I legit don't know if I said that or if you AI'd that. I, I think that it was legit because then we ended up actually having a bit of a conversation about Iron Fist. This was a long time ago. And and you had some thoughts about Iron Fist as well. Despite what all of you have heard me say for years, I actually really love the Netflix Iron Fist show. Oh, yeah, and okay. I really wish it would have gotten another season. And, and I also don't know if you know this, but after that conversation, we actually got talking a little bit about our podcast and you, you thought that it needed something else in order to be better. Do you know what this show really needs? More waffles? Don't you think so, Stephen? So, so that was your your thoughts. Was that See, we needed more waffles. waffles? I would have said Damien. <laughs> I mean, you picked the wrong person there. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's that's what it is. Those were really a hundred percent authentic <laughs> clips by SB. Wa waffles, I blame you because you, your clips is what got Stephen into this. Yeah, yeah, it, it got me into it. As again, the reminder, the last clip was, Do you know what this show really needs? More waffles? Don't you think so, Stephen? So it was definitely me and not waffles. Definitely not waffles. <laughs> good, good, good job, Chris, uh, aka Waffles. Um, I still think it's not entirely me. Yeah. It's not I, I, entirely my voice, but it's close enough, at least for now. And what's scary is it's just going to get better. For those of you who aren't picking up what we're laying down, those were AI generated clips by the original Waffles. Thank you very much, Waffles from Play Comics. Uh, so so he actually did those um, after our little back and forth. He did the one right away um, where I'd said the $500 thing in our Discord as a joke. I think I actually and then, said that. <laughs> you, well, if you did, that was, I don't know. But uh, no, so I'd thrown that in our Discord, a little joke about SP wanting to pay money to not have to podcast with me anymore. And Waffles went and, I did, and did that. And he gave me a few different options. And I actually thought the ones, like I listened to them and I, I picked the ones that I thought were were the, the most like you, but I agree. I agree. There's still something about it that's um, artificial about it. I've, I've seen this on other voices, you know, famous voices and whatnot. And there's also like a really, to me, it almost sounds like an over compressed aspect to a lot of these AI clip generated clips, but it's impressive. It's still like, it's amazing to me. And I actually, when I first heard him, I responded to him. I forgot what I said, but something like, wow, that's creepy, but awesome. <laughs> I don't know what uh, tool he was using to do that, but I know that the paid ones out there are a level above right now. So you can use paid ones that are extremely good right now. Now, I, I don't know 
what the pricing is on them right now because I, I haven't looked into this at all. I know a lot of people are having fun with it. I, I, will do, caution, I do know what tool he's using. I don't know if I'm allowed to say those, so I'm not going to say. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's freeware, whatever he's doing, which it, for freeware, it's amazing. The one thing that I will caution anybody that's listening to this is if you use somebody else's voice that you do not have permission, they can legally come after you right now for uh, misuse of the the voice and, and the persona and stuff like that. I know Joe Rogan has had issues where at first he was like, haha, but then he issued mm. cease and desist out there. There was a whole podcast out there with some guy talking to faux Joe Rogan and it was actually doing pretty well. So they got to cease and desist really quick on that. So I just want to caution people out there that you're thinking about doing this. It's just like the music rights. Be yeah. wary of the legal ramifications of what you're doing. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, hey, I wanted to quickly talk about something else that I've been missing lately. And can I tell you what it is? Um, yeah, go ahead, I guess. I, I don't know why I ask you that. I just feel like it. Uh, I've been missing two big features about not using Vegas. Like, okay. obviously, there's a lot of pros that I've talked about with DaVinci Resolve, primarily my sanity and, and being able to render reliably. Um, however, there's when I'm editing, I really miss in Vegas Pro, you've got the ability to take a clip and drag it into an, a nearby clip in order to automatically do a crossfade. This is something yep. that I don't even think Premiere Pro does. And so I really miss that feature. That's something that was, as far as I know, unique to Vegas. And I really like that because a lot of times, you know, I'm cutting out audio, like a section of something, and I'm putting two clips, smacking them right together. And then I just want to add a little bit of a crossfade to help blend that audio, just make it a little bit smoother, whether it's a noise level or something else. And I, I really miss being able to just drag the one into the other. That is something that I, I do miss about it. And like I said, a lot of the other software doesn't even have that. So um, it is unique to Vegas. The other thing that I miss is if you have a short video clip, being able to dump it on your timeline. And actually, this is the same for audio, but I used it for video. And being able to just drag it as long as you want, and it will loop the thing. And this is mm -hmm. big because there's a couple things that I've got, like with us, our Better Podcasting logo that has a little bit of a shimmer behind it, as well in Gunna Geek. There's a uh, Gunna Geek logo with a little tower with the waves. I've just got, those are short clips. Those are like 10-second clips. Actually, sorry, they're a bit longer. Um, one of them is a bit longer. I think the waves one is really short. The better podcasting logo is a bit longer. And I miss, you know, if I had to put it somewhere, just being able to drag it as long as I wanted and it would loop automatically because that's how I've designed those clips is to be able to loop. Instead, I have to copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. So I really miss those two things about it. Um, if someone out there says DaVinci Resolve has those features, let me know. But I do miss those things. Yeah, I wouldn't know that. I do know exactly what you're talking about. And I'll give you one example of mashing two clips together. It's when I'm doing an intricate cut with somebody that says it's multiple times or it's once and then resets and says it's again. One easy way to actually do that cut is to combine the S sounds and Vegas. I don't know what it does on the audio side to make it blend so well, but you can actually smash those together. You know, you bring the audio clip in addition to the video clip that's with it. You can drag them all and then you can overlap them and it sounds like it's one word. There's yeah. no 
uh, differentiation between the two words at all. It makes editing such a breeze when you do little tricks like that. F sounds, TH sound, sound, TH sounds a little bit less, but Fs and Ss and uh, anything that's like a long drown out sound, you can mash them together and it makes editing so much easier if you have a statement and then you have the same statement again later and you want to cut out the redux in between. Uh, jumping back to the AI talk, uh, Waffles in our chat did say he's using Tortoise TTS running via Python on a local install. Okay. For a lot of people out there, that was blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. But for those that are techie and like to do this sort of stuff, why don't you give that a try? Tortoise TTS or get to Waffles and say, hey, look, buddy, I got a better instance for you to install. All right. Uh, that's the sound of very seductive. Uh, I wanted to talk about media host too. Can we, should we run down our, our little chat we've had with media hosts in, in the discord? Yeah. Or do you want to talk about something else first? No, let's do the media host issue. I've been having these discussions all over the place. So sure. yeah, let's run it down. So I started a thread in the better podcasting channel over on the discord about media hosts. And I had said, let's talk media hosts. It can be an open discussion, but some questions I have are ones like what media host is your go-to and why? Have you migrated to a media host from another? If so, what was the driving reason for the change? If you were recommending a media host to a hobby podcaster, which would you suggest and why? And we've had a couple of responses and the first one came from Damien and Damien said, I don't know if you could say I have a quote go-to end quote as I have only had two media hosts so far, Podbean and Red Circle. Podbean was fine, and we used them for years. The main reason that we made the switch from Podbean to Red Circle was because Red Circle allows us to have multiple RSS feeds under the same account for the same cost. We wanted to split our show into two feeds as it became clear we will not be revisiting our other storyline anytime soon, if at all. We wanted to make things a little less confusing for our new listeners so they'd only have the one main story in the feed, What's ironic about this is that even though I have made the second feed in Red Circle, it has never actually been finished or submitted to iTunes because Waves hand in hobby podcaster. <laughs> I do think I would recommend Red Circle to a new podcaster, though. One thing they have going for them is free accounts for single shows. Yeah, there are less, quote, nice to haves, end quote, in the free account, but it still allows unlimited episodes and downloads for the single show. Yeah, Original Waffles piped in and he said, I'm on Pinecast, and since I can have multiple feeds there, I don't see myself leaving. Started on Blueberry, then moved to a network that hosted everything themselves somehow. He didn't know that, but now he's on Pinecast on his own. And then Josh Liston also said, I've been using Captivate for the last three years, and I've never been happier with a media host. All the basic tech is just as good or better than all of the other hosts I've used, Plus, the UI and UX is miles better than every other host I've used. Also, they're innovating at a much faster rate than the dinosaur-ish hosts, which means we get the best tech faster. Finally, and possibly most importantly, their support is incredible, and they don't air their dirty support laundry in public that some other support people do from other hosts and put in Cody Fingers support there because that's what he had in there. Um, yes, uh, I have a lot to say. Stephen, uh, start, and I have a lot to say about all this. First off, um, I 
I okay, I'm just gonna say I think it's sad that the last part of Josh's comment has to be a thing. And it is a thing. It really is a thing. And I it find is. I find it terrible. And I have to say, I've I've found it terrible for a long time, but I don't know why there was a certain level of like, okay, when it was like, yeah, these places, it's a small industry and, you know, they kind of got some, these companies have some big names on them and and whatever, but like the industry's bigger now. There's a lot more media hosts out there. There's a lot other options out there. And it's like, you might, you might want to realize what your PR is doing or what, what negative PR, the, the negative impact is on your, your PR by doing those sort of things. And so like, I think, I, I think it was unacceptable way back when really unacceptable now. I, I get in podcasting circles or people that are in support for whatever service is servicing streamers slash podcasters. I get that you might want to have a back channel to talk about all this stuff to to air grievances or best practices with dealing with all this stuff but when you throw like oh this person did this even if they redact the name of the uh, podcaster or the publisher the the producer or the show itself even if they redact the whole thing it makes you think oh maybe i can find this and you you start thinking about it and it's it's like the old TV shows like 60 Minutes or 2020 when they had these exposés and they would put, um, you know, not, they would do the lighting to try to hide the person right. sort of thing, but their voice wasn't obscured. So you're <laughs> like, I know who that is. Um, or it was just poorly, uh, both was poorly. I There was one instance that I was aware of personally that the person that was interviewed, I believe it was 2020, they didn't fully obscure the individual's face. They darkened it, but you could still see features, first of all. And then second of all, the voice was very distinct. And you're like, oh, it wasn't bad, but it was like, I can tell the who this person is. And it was a very sensitive subject that I think that the producers of that 2020 segment should have been fired and brought up on charges because it was a legal matter that uh, was the, they were exploiting the victim in mm. this case. And I was like, I can't believe that you're doing this. So when you get to these support tickets and you start knowing a little bit about the industry, you can start to understand who they're trying to roast. And it's just, it's in bad taste. It's like, don't talk about what they did bad. Talk about best practices instead. Don't hammer the bad things people are doing. Elevate the good things that people are doing. And, and say, you know, if you do bad, if you don't do it this way, bad things can happen along the way. But don't just call out somebody. That, that's poor. And it's multiple. It's not just one. It's multiple media hosts that their support people do this and they do it out in the open Mm -hmm. and they laugh about it. And it's, it's, it's really unprofessional. And I don't want to be associated with anybody that does that. That said, another thing that Josh came up with was the, the innovation speed. Yeah. And this gets back to the, what was it? The, the, the podcaster, what, what was it called? The, the, the group that was getting together 
that was looking at innovating the space. I forget what it was called, but they're moving at like a glacial pace. And I don't think any innovations like the next generation pot, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. We talked about them, but I don't remember the name. I don't remember the name either. I'm sure somebody's yelling at their speakers right now saying, that's me, it's this. But anyway, (laughs) I... I know a bunch of them are wrapped up into this and saying, okay, let's all release the same innovation at the same time. So it's all out there for everybody. So people aren't jumping podcast host because, oh, podcast host X or podcast service Y has the new thing. So I'm going to go to them versus my podcaster. They they actually want to equalize everybody. I'm like, but that's not how the game is really played. The game is really played by those that do break pace and do innovate and do show good things and those that are not innovating for whatever reason and to be honest with you i have no idea why they're not it just looks bad on them so yeah i want to be on a host that wants to innovate and wants to embrace new technologies that are going to be sustainable so there are some caveats in there like sustainable there's a lot of caveats with there but I also don't want you to stagnate. I want you to move forward because this industry has been moving forward at such a fast pace. If you're not innovating the way that you are doing business, you're going to lose business in the end. So that's two things that I'll say for Josh at the end there that, yeah, completely agree with you. Yeah, I do wish that... um the pricing was a little bit more in line with something that I'd be willing to try with the feature set on Captivate because I've heard that about about um, all the benefits that Josh is saying. But as a hobby podcaster that's not looking to make money on it, 17 bucks US per month. Um, I get it's unlimited podcast, but you've got that 30,000 download thing across all of them. I'm, I'm assuming it is, you know, the number is just it's hard for me to to price that to myself with that limitation when you know there's things like the pinecast option um as a hobby podcaster but i you know it's not a bad price like i'm not saying it's a bad price but by any means um i i do take pause at the 30,000 downloads per month only cuz i i don't like that idea i don't i don't like the concept of capping the amount of downloads per month that's not something that i personally agree with for a media host i get why they're doing it but I just think that it's this this limit that I don't know that it's necessary. I, I I don't. You're capping it somewhere somehow. There are those that cap the amount that you can upload. There are those that cap in terms of minutes. There's those that capped in terms of the data. There's those that cap in terms of downloads or the total data or the total bandwidth use. There's always a cap because they can't give away everything for every everyone and still stay in business. That said, I don't like capping the downloads. That's like the one thing they're saying, okay, well, if you want to make money and and some people do with podcasting, we don't, but if you want to make money or you want to reach the largest audience, nah, we're, we're going to hold you. And they'll point to statistics that say your show is never going to get to 30,000 a, a month. It's just not. So this is more than you need. Well, then why you even put the limit on there anyway? And that's the kind of what I mean by I, I don't think it's necessary. Like, I think that there would be other ways to handle that. Um, I think if you're looking at those shows that are going to do 30,000, I think you can have certain things that um, do more than that. I think there's other ways you could probably entice them to pay a little bit more money. There, There's probably other features that could be offered, you know, 
um i don't know faster download speeds i'd rather take slightly slower download speeds over faster download speeds for like with the limitation Uh, you know maybe you'd have some form of uh other features that that someone making that much that many downloads would be more enticed to pay for as an add-on uh i just i don't know the thirty thousand. i don't i'm not a big fan of it with that said like like you said it works for many people and i've heard good things about captivate so i've heard a lot of great things i've heard a lot of podcasters that have transitioned off of hosts that everybody was recommending 10 years ago to captivate specifically captivate so captivate's been doing a good job i know the people that started captivate sold to i believe global was who they sold to so it's not the original owners but anymore, you'd be hard pressed to find a podcast company that hasn't sold off. Uh, I, I think one exception is Blueberry. I think Todd still owns everything that's raw media. I think that's the, the company that Blueberry is part of. But I think everybody else either has gone public, has gotten new investors in, sold off, or moved ahead. A podcast is another exception where the, the people are still there, which on the whole part of it, Matt over there at Pinecast, I host a show over there. I have an account over there. I'm grandfathered on the $5 a month plan. I Full disclosure, uh, I like just being able to dump something over there yeah. that I, I'm not really going to uh, be hard charging over. Uh, I still question, because they're not embracing some of the standards like the uh, statistics standards, still question where they're going to be five years from now sort of thing. and. It's easy to move. I know Matt's going to make it easy to move if they have to ever close down Pinecast, which there's been no announcement whatsoever. I think he's he's happy to keep it going for now. But if you do have to move, make sure that you can throw a 301 redirect so you don't lose your your subscribers, basically. And uh, hopefully he gives everybody like a month or two to do that and and move over but again this is all does. theory this is all yeah. theory yeah if he ever does and he's come out and that, I, I, with, I think we should specify as well given our history with him that he has outright come and um very clearly said contrary to uh, us bringing this up and i think validly bringing up that especially years ago when he was new um that he's got a monetization uh method that he says, you know, is sustainable long term. That's what he has clearly said. But and and yeah, and he's raised his prices, so it's not just the standard five dollar a month plan. I, I would suspect that he's going to raise price. I suspect everybody's going to be raising prices pretty soon, just to keep up with inflation. One thing that keeps coming up in discussions that I get involved in in this is, does the media host do anything to promote my show? Mm. And When you're looking at it on the surface of the statement, I can categorically say no media host is going to promote your show to try to grow your show. That is your job as a podcaster. That said, they can strategically use podcasts as an examples out there or in their promotional items or highlight them on their websites. So you can get some promotion out of it. But you're competing with literally thousands and tens of thousands, and in some case, hundreds of thousands of other podcasts to get that highlight from those companies. So the odds of you getting anything out of that is one thing. Now, if they're making a lot of money off of you, like back in the day, Joe Rogan was on Libsyn, right? And Libsyn is making money off of Joe Rogan at that time. Joe Rogan obviously is with Spotify now. 
um, Lipson is going to promote Joe Rogan just because right. they're making money off of that. That's just an example of what they would do for somebody that's big. And when a, a big name or a big podcaster comes to a new network, you bet they're going to say, hey, we got this person because that's notoriety, but you're also promoting at that same time. So I realized that there's a caveat to the promotion, but on the whole, they're not going to run commercials for you. They're not going to go out in and promote you to uh, the big distribution hubs. They're not going to go uh, put billboards out there of your podcast. Nobody's going to do that. That's on you and your network. Um, also, I have two things to say. Number one, um, I was thinking about the $17 price. I think that's actually okay. Uh, I don't know why I, all of a sudden I was thinking, I think I was thinking of like the, uh, pod B nine and then I, I guess I think it's 10 or whatever, but, but you know, $17 is actually pretty reasonable. So I'll, I'll eat that. Um, like you said, the 30,000 for most people be okay. Um, so I'll never say never on that. So, um, you know, I, I would like to at some point look more into Captivate. But for me as a hobby podcaster at the moment, I'm not sure. I still don't know that that's what what I want to use, like what I would actually go to right now. But maybe, maybe. Uh, second thing for the uh, those watching the video. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Like This shirt's really itchy. I'm like itching myself like crazy right now. I don't know if it was like washed with something weird, but. People are probably noticing that and, and I'm, I'm not sure. I just put it on just before we recorded. So I'm pointing that out awkwardly. Okay. <laughs> uh, another thing that I'll go back to the podcaster discussion is when you end your show, I hear a lot of, I want my show to still be available. What, what happens if I stop paying for my media host? Yeah, they're going to stop. They're going to delete your show because you're not paying for it anymore. It's plain and simple. And a lot of people are looking for a free place to put it. Now, if you uh, just have the one show, you can go to Red Circle or Spotify for podcasters. I think that's what Anchor's called. You can do that, but then you got to monitor what's going on there because they could delete the show just because there's no throughput for that. I know Spotify does that quite a bit because they want to get rid of all those nasty shows that aren't actually producing anything or earning them money so that they, they're fine just to delete them. So you have to watch out for that. I know that there's podcast hosts out there that will give you a reduced plan if you're not producing anymore. The the like an archive plan, I've heard it say on a couple of the of the uh, podcast media hosts. But if you don't have a plan like that, you're going to end up paying full amount continually as long as you want your podcast out there. So that's a consideration that nobody has until they're like okay i'm done with this what do i do with this now sort of thing it's an afterthought yeah. and it shouldn't be an afterthought uh actually before we jump off of the hosting talk i just want to say one other thing actually go back to pinecast there which is um on the weekend there's actually coincidentally um and this is unrelated to all the talk uh i happen to make this post we happen to have a bit of conversation about it and then all of a sudden there was an issue that happened with pinecast where i had noticed all of a sudden um that the RSS feeds were not uh, being generated properly. They were there, but they had no content in them. And this was on Saturday. And I checked because uh, this show's on Pinecast. The Better Podcasting Chats with SP is on Pinecast. And both of the Pinecast RS feeds were a little bit uh, a little bit broken or a lot broken. And mm -hmm. I ended up submitting a ticket to them at 11.21 a.m. Pacific time. And I had a response back by 12.59 p.m. And they said, hi there, a software update that went out today caused some feeds to generate. 
without episodes. We've since rolled back the update while we investigate the underlying cause. We sincerely apologize for the interruption. So they were really quick to get on that, and that was great, because um, now I have to say, this, this show was not technically affected because of how we do the RSS feed, but the actual Pinecast RSS feed, RSS feed was indeed affected. And I, I'm glad this was Saturday... I don't know where Matt's located, but this was at least midday Pacific time, probably evening or early morning, wherever Matt is, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I just assume everybody doesn't live in the Pacific time. Uh, and, and yet, prompt response like that. So that was great. Yeah, it's good to see, hey, first of all, we're innovating, right? We, we are continuing to move forward. And second of all, oh, it didn't work. We're going to roll it back and we're going to get you back online reliability for podcast media hosts hasn't really been discussed all that much in mm. the last few years because there hasn't been too many issues out there. But that is one of the issues that I would look into. Like if you have a podcast media host that's noted to go down, you don't want that. You want all of your episodes that you have published to be available all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year globally. And as soon as we get somebody on the moon or Mars, you want it available to them as well all the time. You don't know what time people are, are listening to your show and you just want it available for them. Uh, or uh, if they're going to go on a flight, hey, I want to download the latest three episodes of X podcast like five minutes before they board the flight and they're not available and you can't get to them. That's that's an issue. And you could lose the listeners over that. Like, I, I okay, I'm not going to listen to these three podcasts. I'm going to listen to these three episodes over here on this different show. And then they just never go back to listen to your episode. So th stuff like that can happen. You know, I have to say, um, we talked about this when we talked about media hosts and everything um, recently on one of the better podcasting episodes. But there is a show that I, I would like to maybe switch the media host on that, you know, there there's a show that I, I know of that, that, you know, has a bit of history on it. And um, I don't know the destinations thing, how I would handle that, where it's all been submitted by the media host. And I, I just don't know. I don't know how that would be handled since it's all in there. What would the actual process be like to reclaim those submissions? And, and that... That scares me. <laughs> you put a 301 redirect in the each in every one. Basically, that's one way. But, but another way is changing the RSS feed that was submitted. But that doesn't that doesn't give me the ownership of like let's say the Spotify one, like the actual okay. it, the actual Spotify listing on Spotify. Oh, for the show, see, like, like, like anchor in its earlier day, we'll just use this as an example, like anchor in its earlier days said, yeah, we'll submit everything for you. And it was all submitted to the like podcast at anchor.com email. So you had no way to send an email to what they had on record, because it would go to anchor, and it wouldn't mm -hmm. go to you, for example. Yeah, or it could be that, you know, you've can like, I don't know that it's still this way, but I know with the Gunna Geek show, there was spot. Um, I think it was Spotify. I, I was, yeah, I think it was Spotify. Originally, we were able to get better podcasting on Spotify sooner than the Gunna Geek show because Libsyn, you were able to go in and submit it through there. But there was no way outside of Libsyn or or a of an approved right. media host. And then they came up with Spotify for podcasters or whatever they called the podcast portal, whatever it was. And then at that point, I was able to manually do that. So now I log into the Spotify uh, podcaster portal and there's my show there. 
But if I had submitted that through, let's say, like the Better Podcasting Libsyn one, let's use that as an example. Uh, how do I get that? Like if I'm now disconnecting from them or, you know, if it was, I think Blueberry was one of them too. If I was with Blueberry, how do I get that, that control of whatever Spotify has? Yeah, I'll use uh, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. for example. It's on Pandora. And the only reason it's on Pandora is because it was submitted through Libsyn to Pandora to get on there. I have no relationship with Pandora. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is available on Pandora because of that relationship that Libsyn had with Pandora. I have no idea if I switch media hosts, if I could even keep my show on Pandora mm. because of that. So there's an example right there. And so these are the questions that I have. And so... I don't know. It scares me. It scares me, SP. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just start from the ground. I mean, maybe you end up resubmitting it. I don't know. Uh, oh. But 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 I am interested in, in seeing some other things. Uh, full disclosure, I've used to date four media uh, hosts for podcasting. I've used Lipson, I've used Spreaker, I've used Podbean, and I've used Pinecast. Those are the Five. four that you, I've... You, act you also had Blueberry. I mean, wait. <laughs> no. <laughs> Never had blueberry, and I'm never going to have blueberry. But uh, those are four that I've had, and I've peeked behind the curtain on uh, Captivate, and um, I've had other offers. But I have, uh, I think, out of the ones that I've used and uh, looking at everything, I, I'd, I'd be leaning towards Podbean right now. But mm. I'm not set on that. I, I, I'm okay with exploring other options right now. But I'd be going to Podbean. I think. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait till you get Blueberry so that you can give us your experience on that. <laughs> All right. Hey, there's a couple other things, just quick hits that I want to talk about is that StreamYard seems to be uh, looking towards a more enhanced partnership with podcasting because they brought Rob Greenlee on board as a partner, not as an employee. And he has a significant amount of podcasting since before podcasting was there. Uh, do I think Rob Greenlee is going to be with StreamYard long? No, because of his work history. It's been cycling through multiple different companies. He'll spend up to a couple of years. I think his last was Podbean and he was only with them for a couple of months. But he's been with a lot of other ones out there. So look for more StreamYard podcasting stuff in the future. And then Streamlabs. Well, your, hold, hold on before yeah. we get to your next comment. I don't know that I, I take it the same way that you do. Yes, he has podcast hosting experience, but I maintain that Spreaker was more streaming than it was podcasting. Yeah, and that's what StreamYard is, but he has specifically said in his statement on this announcement that because he was in a podcast uh, announcing this with, I think, one of StreamYard's like head partners or something like that, like, a hundred something. I forget what the podcast was, but he said that he was specifically bringing both streaming video and podcasting into the realm. So yes, he is more of a broadcasting slash streaming guy, but he specifically said podcasting. So I don't know if this is StreamYard. Well, I have no idea, but I, I would venture to say that he's going to at least put podcasting in their ears of this is an industry that you should be paying attention to. Plus, I can finally use StreamYard on my Zune. <laughs> and then the other one quick hit is Streamlabs, which is a beloved country, company 
for Steven and anybody else that uses a uh, streaming Streamlabs tool is they put out an editor. Now I have not used it, but it is a textual based or words based editor, not a waveform based editor. And there's AI in there. There's all sorts of tools to automatically get clips out there for multi-platform promotion, stuff like that. It's not free, right? It is a, for 40, 40 hours a month, it is basically $20 a month or $150 a year. And that is US pricing. That is not Canadian pricing. I must make sure that I'm clear. I do not use Streamlabs and I never have. So other than downloading, I think they had a version of OBS that I tried at one point and, and was not that impressed with. Okay, fair so enough. It, Chris was our Streamlabs guy on the oh, Go yeah. Geek show. That's who it was. But, but point stands though with everything else so <laughs> yeah it's it's another i mean at this point i would view them as a descript competitor in mm. that but uh it's it's a hefty price and if you're going to pay pain for an editor anyway this might be something that interests you if, if you don't want to get into the actual editing if you don't want to get into the chroma key stuff from the visual side if you don't want to get into the audio uh, i want to put this effect in this this plugin in this track or whatever then uh this this might be for you i have yet to see one of these textual editors that will do multi-track individual editing uh, they do multi-track combined editing but they don't do multi-track individual editing mm. Well, that's going to go ahead and take us towards the end of the show. Before we go, I have a task for you. And you know who you are. It's all of you, the listeners, plus Josh. Convince me. Convince me that I I should at least put a show on Captivate. I, I want that to happen because I've heard such good things. But I don't know. I, it's the, the, that limit. I, I, I don't know why that keeps... Maybe... Maybe it's non-justified. Pull keeping me away but i want you to convince me that i should at least try that i don't know why <laughs> that, I, that I was not directed that was not directed at me so you know who you are <laughs> and uh yeah go for it he has given you open access so that you can convince him and i'd be okay with that i'd be i'd be fine trying captivate out but i don't i am i agree with you that whole limit on the downloads thing is like i don't i don't know if i want to do that but again, I've heard such good things. That's why I'm saying convince me, Josh and everybody else. Convince me. Tell me. Find a way. Uh, and actually, it, following up to the StreamYard thing, Liberty Dude said, uh, heard, don't know myself, some podcasters using StreamYard ask for super chat type donations through StreamYard instead of YouTube 3% uh, takeout versus 30. So I'm YouTube guessing it's pretty pricey. Yeah. yeah. So. There you go. Maybe you could save a little bit of money by doing that. Maybe we should do that, SP. Super chat. Super chat. I hate that. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to stop what you're doing and say, oh, thanks, Bubba. I really appreciate the two bucks you just gave me. And then you start off with your sentence again. And then, I don't know, Jenna comes on and, and gives you five bucks. You have to stop. Oh, thank you very much, Jenna, for oh, your donation. Really more, appreciate it. More that. than that. Jenna, super chat. Some of them do have bells that do it too. Yeah. Uh, so thanks to everybody for checking out the show. I, I, we were all over the place tonight. I recognize that we are back forth up down and thank you for listening. Come on over to our discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. We'd love to have you there. If you can check us out during our live stream, you can it's Wednesdays usually at 4 15 PM Pacific. 
7 15 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. Going to leave that in. And also, we are going to have a, a couple weeks off throughout the summer here and there. But the Better Podcasting Live chat is here through the summer until September comes around. Yeah, we will be back here next week. And then I think our time off starts at that point in time. So yeah, really appreciate you guys coming by. Really appreciate the chat. We're still working on ways to get the chat in. We're still working on ways to bring you in if you want to ask us a question face-to-face, that sort of thing. So we're looking forward to that. No idea if it'll happen this season or not. Don't know if it'll happen this year or not, but we are looking at ways to do that. So for episode number 51 of Better Podcasting Live Chats, I chat. I'm Steven saying... One day I will stop making that mistake. <laughs> MSP saying, don't worry about it. Uh, you might not have to worry about it. So let's just go from there. <laughs> have everybody a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.